In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my paleolithic partner in crime is the one and only... Yabba-dabba-doo, Travis Ratz here. Travis Ratz on the ones and twos as we bring you another glorious episode of Comic Exposure. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is your first episode of Comic Exposure, I just, I just want to ease you into this episode. I want to I treat you right. I want you ready for this thing. So let me lay it down for you. Mm. The Comic Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, we do a myriad of things, but on this episode, Josh, this is a... I'm starting to get the impression that you don't even know what we do on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know what we're doing. I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to make it. A, I'm trying to do the intro just a little more. A little foreplay. I, don't know, I get to, it. I get it. To, make it sexy. Make it. T- tell you us, know. Tell tell them what we're gonna do to him today, Josh. So here's what we're gonna do. We uh, on this episode, a comic book club episode, we read a trade. Or maybe you want to call it a graphic novel. Mm. And we're going to... Mm, graphic. And we're going to tell you about that graphic novel. We're going to discuss it like Oprah and The Secret. Except it's the Flintstones today. We are reading Travis. We read uh, DC Comics The Flintstones, written by Mark Russell. Uh, we read Mark Russell before because we uh, did Prez. Prez. So that was Mark Russell's was Prez. And then uh, the art on this bad boy is by Steve. I'm going to say Pew. Yep. That's, that's wrong. I'm going right. to say I'm gonna say Pew. Steve or Poo? No, Poo isn't right. Pew? Pug. I'm going to go Pew. Pug? Pug? Let's introduce our guest because he might have a cute clue. <laughs> there we go. And our, who's our guest today, Travis? Who's oh, our guest? Oh, my guest, man. This is someone I've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time. And there are some guests that you hold off on because you're trying to find the perfect book, and you realize there's no such thing, so you just throw your towel in and send them a book, and we all read it together, and you just cross your fingers, and you're like, maybe they like it, maybe they don't. But it doesn't matter because our guest today is the one, the only, Marco Almeida. I always want to say Almeida, but you pronounce it Almeida, I've heard you say a couple times, Marco. Yeah, no, you got it right. It's Almeida. Thanks so much for, for having me and for that beautiful introduction. Yes, it was beautiful, wasn't it? I can put away my notes now. Okay, there we go. Marco, how would you say, look, do you have the book in front of you? I do. Uh, Would you say it's Steve Pugh? Pugh? Yeah, I think it's it's probably Pugh. Pugh? Yeah. Yeah. He's a holy man. Like a church Pugh? Yeah. That's what I would think. I would think, because it's definitely not Pugh, because Pugh would just be an, even if it were Pugh, Steve's not going by Pugh. Pew. He's he's long determined that it's not Pooh, it's Pew. It's like one of those Thai Thai names where they come over and they're going to keep their last name, but then they're going to change their first name to like Steve or they're like first generation American Thai, and they're like, uh, uh, this is our son Steve Pew. <laughs> Anyways, I- uh, we got Marco on here, and Marco, um. We always start off with our guests, especially our uh, Virgin podcast, uh, Comic Exposure podcast guests, is we always ask one question. I'm really excited to ask this because we've had a lot of repeat guests lately, so we haven't been able to ask this in its truest sense. We always ask our guest, Marco, what up to this point 
as what was your first exposure to comics? Your first exposure to comic books? I I read a lot of comic books when I was a kid. I was really into Spider-Man and X-Men, and I remember being probably in elementary school, and my dad every Saturday would take me down to a comic book store like off of right off of Mill Avenue. It was like Mill and Forest, something like that. Yeah, so we would go there every Saturday and get me a comic book, and it was usually Spider-Man. Uh, I think Spider-Man was always my favorite. And, you know, I would watch all the cartoons that were on TV back then, like X-Men. And um, I even watched some Pokemon cartoons, like, as I got older. I would have been probably, like, middle school then. But I haven't Rocking read a comic book. I had a few Pokemon cards, but I enjoyed watching the cartoons, even though probably older than I should have been and but I haven't read a comic book since I was since the death of Superman. So the day, whoa, the death, since the like when the death of Superman came out, I got it like the day it came out, and I remember yeah. it being like a novel. Like I was like, how am yeah, I going to read this? Yeah. It's gigantic, and I read that thing in a day, just devoured it, and that was the last comic book that I have read until this one. Let me ask you a question: When you read this comic book, uh, Death of Superman, did you drive the Chevy to the levee? On this comic book? Yeah, yeah, but the levee was dry. No, on <laughs> on this on this comic book, I spaced it out uh, over the course of a week. So oh, you yeah. didn't, you just didn't spend the whole day reading this. You this one, you you spent a little more time on. I took time. like I think I did one story a day because um, there's six six stories in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think there's like six uh, six issues of it. Yeah, and we should... so it's been it's been yeah. a minute. Marco, since you've since you've read a uh, since you've read a comic book, um, so my question for you before we get into the meat of the Flintstones, before we get into the before we get into the Brontosaurus burger of the Flintstones, Marco's a vegetarian. He's a vegan. <laughs> okay, okay, but I didn't mean I didn't say you had to eat it. I was just inferring that. <laughs> so, Marco, let me ask you: How was this transition from? It's been so long since you've read one. Did it feel like was it did you fall as was it like riding a bike or did it or did you have to like remember how to go through it? It was mostly like riding a bike, but uh, riding one like while drunk. Like I mostly knew what I was doing, <laughs> but I had a few situations where I'd read the wrong bubble first. And I'd be like, no, no, no. yeah, I got to I got to go up here. But it was it was good. It was it was actually I liked it. I loved like looking at this comic book and kind of thinking back to the old comic books I used to read and jumping from like the bubble to bubble and just I don't know spending time and looking at the drawings like it was cool it was cool to go back and do something that I haven't done in now I don't know 18 years there is something about reading a comic book when you're older especially when you're getting back in the comics and you don't read a lot of them that is so nostalgic like you want to like put your onesie on and curl up on the couch and like <laughs> get your flashlight out and just like start going through the comic book there is something very nostalgic about opening you know a trade or a graphic novel and just like oh yeah this is like a really interesting way to tell a story yeah and to be honest with you like when you first told me that you were doing this podcast i didn't even know that comic books still existed like i (laughs) (laughs) i I honestly didn't even know (laughs) right there is problem number one with the comic book industry Comic books like 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 uh, Dilbert? No, not like <laughs> no no like the Flintstones. Dilbert. Family Circle. 
<laughs> you, right. well, then, so then let me let me before again one more question one more question marco when you found out that you were going to be reading the flintstones what was your immediate thought process or did travis sell it to you or did you just say i want you to read the flintstones or did he give you a caveat or were you like what the hell why are we reading the flintstones no, honestly, when I opened up the envelope and I took it out, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I and, didn't tell him what we were reading. I just sent him a book. No, yeah. And then I, <laughs> I, I saw that it said Flintstone. I was like, all right, cool. And then Facebook, uh, Travis Facebooked me, I think, the next day saying, hey, I know this is kind of weird and all, but it's supposed to be a really great book. It's got a lot of praise. But I never thought it was weird to begin with. I thought, oh, cool, this will be interesting. I used to watch the Flintstones, so I'll, you know, I'll get this. Yeah, this all right. Is, this all right. One of those things is uh, sometimes we get books that either Josh has read, but I haven't read, and he thinks, oh, this could be interesting to do on the podcast. Uh, but about half the time, we're going into it just like the guest. We don't know. It's really a toss-up. And this was one of those when we decided the Flintstones. Josh and I, we'd heard about it, but we hadn't read it. And when I sent it to you, I, I hadn't read it. So let's get into it, guys, shall we? All right. So so we're uh, we're we're diving into uh, like like we said, we started off the show. Mark Russell writing uh, the Flintstones, his take on it. Um, there were a bunch of DC like Hanna Barbera properties that came out into DC, uh, like Scooby Doo and the Apocalypse, and some other ridiculous versions of. There was like a Wacky Races book that they brought out. All this stuff came out. And this was sort of the golden child of all of those things. This was sort of like the one that people were like, whoa, this this is not who would have thought to do this with the Flintstones to kind of be this sort of subversive satire, um, satire you know, like a modern day, uh, you know, satire using the Flintstones is your vehicle to do it, right? Like Voltaire, right. but with Fred Flintstone. Yeah, and when we deal with the Flintstones, the Flintstones cartoon was always a satire, right? Yeah. We didn't think about yeah. it as like an edgy satire, you know? No, no. But this definitely reigns into that edgy satire part of it. Um, and so really there's no, there's no like, it's a bunch of vignettes mm -hmm. in the Flintstones universe. I wouldn't say that it's there's one continual... Story thread. I, I really? will say that this that this trade we always do like a little summary of the book. This this trade yeah. is some of the, all the the characters that you grown to love with the Flintstones, but uh, and it centers around Bedrock. But it's really a focus of Bedrock starting civilization, like the start of uh, of a civilization. You know, moving from nomadic yeah. tribes to a civilization. And I don't remember the cartoon focusing it around so much of oh we're we're giving this a try it was like bedrock had been established we're jumping in and it seemed like bedrock and the cartoons had been around for a long time and the book yeah it, it posits that this is a new experiment in human culture the civilization right would you say that's like the one through line yeah i would say that and then it's i guess it's and it like like that would be the one through line right like this is just a peek into the world of bedrock uh with a very sort of half like half cocked grin as as we go through and poke fun at modern the modern world right. by looking at this the birth of this civilization all right so marco my question to you is um marco uh you know i thought it, 
once I got into it, and I what do you? Let me get your overall thoughts. You said you enjoyed the process of reading a comic book again, but what about the actual storytelling or the satire in here? What was your initial response to it as you started reading? Well, I tell you what, it took me by surprise because I was expecting, you know, when I first saw the Flintstones, for this to be like an upbeat sort of like the cartoon, a similar kind of vibe, and it couldn't be further from that. It's dealing with all of society's big problems that we have today and, and touching upon like these really big issues. And like, for example, Fred Flintstone isn't, I, in my mind from the cartoons kind of remember him as kind of like bumbly and I don't know what the word is, but kind of, I don't know, just kind of blue collar and just uh, your average Joe, but he's like really profound in this in this story. Right. Yeah, he he was, says a lot of really profound things. He was supposed to be the honeymooners. The the Flintstones was the honeymooners like to the moon, Alice, you know, like that blue yeah. collar guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the well, Archie Bunker. Yeah, exactly. Archie Bunker of it. And what was the first thing, like getting into it? Would, do you remember a moment where you're like, oh, wait, like what? He's what? Or what's going on here? Where you realized it was a little bit darker, a little bit deeper than you expected the Flintstones to be. Was it, you know... Uh, we open it up, and they're at a museum, and then they show, like, oh, this is Bedrock, this place. Do you remember, like, um, a particular introduction into, like, the kind of darker satire where you're like, ooh, I don't know about this? Yeah, it happened pretty quickly. It happened in the first uh, story, and there was a Fred's boss um, is, like, showing him around his mansion, and... There's a there's a scene there where they kind of show Fred having like almost like a flashback to like some PTSD that he has from like yeah, the war, yeah. like conquering the tree people, and he's got PTSD as a result of that, and he's like looks terrified in that in that drawing. Um, that was the first time I was like, this isn't uh, going to be a funny cartoon. Yeah, the, <laughs> right. <laughs> you nailed it. The PTSD thing for me was like my first peek at like, oh, there's something deeper here than just the Flintstones. The idea of putting PTSD in there and that, that this whole civilization of Bedrock exists because they wiped out like the indigenous people of that. They went to war with this other tree people tribe. I was like, oh, this is dark, man. Yeah, and there's all these... And so there's like those serious moments of it like being sort of dark. It starts off with like... I remember as a kid like the Buffalo Lodge being yeah. like the Shriners or like the... But they really played it as sort of this, like, v, like uh, you know, this Veterans of Foreign Wars sort of thing, right? A VFW sort of group. And so right away, there's that, they're together talking about, you know, um, the tree people. But then there's all these little, like, all these little hooks in there, right? And so the, the school where the kids go to school, the mascot is the fighting tree people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so there's all these, like, Oh yeah, no, that is fucked up, right? So like, like the Redskins, it plays, you know, it's like the yeah. satire on like the idea of like we name these mascots like the the fighting, you know, the fighting Reds, and we're like, oh wait a minute, we wiped out Native Americans in this country, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and there's all those little barbs, and so there's these things that are like are goofy, right? Like Spring Break aliens, but in the midst of Spring Break aliens, like uh, the the one friend is going to commit suicide, but he's put on hold. Yeah, and and then he and then he goes out to help save everybody, and he gets blasted. shot. Yeah, yeah, and there's just like 
there's these moments of silly, right? Like the alien barfing in their house, but then it's followed up by, you know, this sort of very barbed criticism of 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 culture or society that so we see in let it. Let me put this out to you. So this is obvious. I mean, they're hitting you over the head with satire in this. This, I mean, yeah. I, I think I'm going to use this book uh, to teach my juniors about satire before we get into like Jonathan Swift. We'll warm them up with some like on the nose satire of you know today with some uh, Flintstones comic book. Now we punch sat- him right in the beef. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> punch him right in the beef. Um, when you think about satire today, you think about like you know the big ones like uh, South Park, right? And it seems like satire today um, is a little bit more less wholesome. I'm not saying that this is wholesome satire, but as far as satire seems to be a little bit more vulgar today. Does this fall into? Is this work as satire? Is this good? Is this a good example of um, satire that is well done? Marco, what do you what do you think? Do you think this works as a good satirical piece? Yeah, absolutely. Because if anything, I mean, it did it it did it cleanly, and it shows that it works. Like it made all these points um, without, you know, it didn't swear or anything like that. But it made all the points and. You know, it wasn't like I'm. Not, I'm going to say it works. I'm going to say it absolutely works. But I'm also going to, at the same time, like it wasn't like a mind blowing comic. Obviously, it's not like I read something in this comic book that made me like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it like that way. What was interesting was just seeing these things that we talk about in daily life as adults presented in this form. Right. Yes. Exactly. And the the conservative nature of how the Flintstones have always been presented is a little weird. Because these are it's it's almost like a certainly a more of a liberal satire on some of the issues they're bringing up when it comes to like marriage and things like that, um, and you would think like the like the audience reading this is I agree with you Marco it's like the people who would pick this up and actually read past the first issue they seem the issues that are brought up aren't necessarily like oh my god I never thought about it that way um, it's not revolutionary satire where where it's made me. Um, delve into an issue that I never thought about before but like you said it's done very cleanly and my only thing would be sometimes in my satire that I like I like to have to like reach for it a little bit I have to like try to connect the dots like okay Um, sometimes South Park does this pretty well even if it is vulgar you're like what is a fucking taco shitting ice cream have to do with society (laughs) and then if you connect the dots you're like oh i think they're talking about this like oh that's brilliant this is pretty much like if you haven't got it yet you'll get it in the next panel here we go here we go it's like right in your face very clear what is being um what is being what they're being satirical about yeah but i you know i think that that works in this model i'm I'm just surprised that I mean we read Prez and Prez was a very you know satirical take on politics right on, on sort of the um, the election cycle the, last yeah election yeah, cycle the, uh, yeah the election cycle and I mean this this touches on so many things though where Prez was very much focused on sort of like politics and the presidency and war and that sort of stuff this one jumps to so many different things where uh, materialism mm-hmm. right like they're buying crap to sort of like uh the infallibility of science to um 
all of these, all these little, like the way we treat veterans, there's all these little bits and pieces in there that, that, that they, although they may not all hit and make you go, Oh, I never thought about it that way. They all very much work at getting the point across of what they're talking about. Right. And, and I think that's the brilliant part about using the Flintstones uh, as a vehicle for the satire is it allows you to be less specific about, oh, this is a political satire or this is that. It really allows you to be a little more broad with your satire and talk about some of the issues that are weird about human beings, you know? Like, um, I t- uh, put on, like, Instagram the panel with Fred talking about marriage. Um, and let's see if I can find it here. It's when they go to that marriage retreat, and yeah, uh, Fred says, "It's a great podcast." He goes, "Marriage is like insurance; you only enter it in, into <clears throat> you only enter into a lifetime commitment because you're afraid of your future." But does being married mean she will love me forever, or is it just my attempt to keep her from finding someone better? Is marriage really a sacred bond, or is it just the illusion of security? And you're like, "Holy shit!" You know, I mean, he's not being coy about the satire there, but at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, this is an institution that was created early on in civilization, and it's something that maybe we don't question as much as what's currently happening in politics and society and the newer issues that have come up with, like, technology. And this, doing the Flintstones, allows them to go back and satirize um, just the basic essence of civilization and marriage and love and I think allows it using the Flintstones broadens satire out to some more essential questions about what we are as human beings yeah I think you're right I mean that whole that the whole thing about the whole marriage part of it is is this sort of I think it's really pointing at you know um and I don't, and I don't think that that Mark Russell's doing it to say that marriage isn't a, isn't a good institution, but I think he's doing it in a way to say like, look, here's your sacred cow that so many people are so obsessed with, mm-hmm. and at one point it wasn't there, right? So why why is it so like why is it such a sacred thing? And even in this, the two the the, the two guys who get married, the guy who's running the marriage thing is like, nope, wait a minute, like yeah. so. So like it, it's just this this sort of funny poke at this guy thinks marriage is so important, thinks people who love each other should be together, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh wait a minute, two people together that I don't know that they should be together, right? Like yeah. completely turns on a dime, and I, it's just this sort of each one of these little vignettes is a great way to to look at all of those little things. So speaking of the vignettes, Marco, um, you know, you said you read this in pieces. Uh, what do you think your favorite vignette was? Or like, if this was a cartoon series, what would be your favorite episode? What issue did you like the best? Um, I'll tell you that in a second, but I have to mention something real quick because uh, while you guys were talking, kind of uh, crystallize it for me. Like Earlier you asked me if this thing worked as a satire, and I said that it did, and I think I just realized why it worked for me. And it's because it's pointing out so many issues, right? So many things, uh, like Josh mentioned, are in here. PTSD 
from wars of aggression, imperialism, veteran suicide. There's a section on animal exploitation, um, the problems with democracy and government, problems with religion, monogamy, gay marriage. There's uh, climate science. There's kind of like the ugly American stereotype. There's there's love and there's greed and the consumerism. And the reason that it all works is because it's presented in this setting of, oh, these are like Neanderthals. Like this happens 2,000 years ago and they were dealing with all these problems. They haven't figured it out yet. And they're like, oh, no, we're, these are the problems of today and we're supposed to be advanced. And that's why it works. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you're, you're looking at it from like the, the evolutionary ladder. You're like, oh, my gosh. Of course, it... it they're Neanderthals. They they shouldn't have things figured out. And then you look at the issues, and you're like, oh shit, we still don't have that figured out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's why. That's why it worked. Um, and to answer your your question, my favorite was probably the either it was a tie. It's between the Galactic Break story, uh, where aliens kind of come to Bedrock and treat it like their spring break party city. And the one where it details Fred and Barney's uh, fighting the tree people in in the war to help found Bedrock. Those would be oh, my, yeah. my two favorites. That got really that got really deep. So what? Yeah. The Spring Break one. <laughs> what, what was it? What What was it that you liked about that one? Because that is a good that is a good vignette. Uh, I think it was just it was more upbeat and refreshing than the other ones. It had more comedy in it, and so I think that's why I liked that one. That one stood out in my mind. But at the same time, like that, that that issue, even though it, it's like this funny thing, that's the one where where it like it deals with, uh, you know, the this it deals with like PTSD and like uh, veteran suicide, and then how we don't like how we don't treat veterans very well. Like everybody's okay, they're going to unveil this statue and the statues of the space monkey, right? Instead, like. All of his friends are there going, oh, great. Right? It ends on this beat that is just, like, hilarious and awful at the same time, where the mayor is like, it's long overdue, but we'd also like to take this moment to honor a fallen hero. And Barney's like, oh, Joe. And he's like, finally, some respect. You know, Fred says that. And then Sergeant Grumbles is who the, is who the statue is of. And it's just this sort of, like, it's this funny thing with all the aliens and all that, and all of a sudden it ends on like this sort of like, well, shit, right? Yeah. And it's I a think high this body I, count in that issue, too. right? I think this, I think this book does that so well, where it, there's it balances like the silliness of it with sort of this like gut checky satire every once in a while, and I, and I think you know, to get back to what Marco said, I think that's why it works for me. Right. Not only is it hitting all these issues, but it does it in a way that balances silly with like, well, shit, <laughs> you know, like South Park hits you over the head with absurdity, I think maybe too much. And it's satire. But I think this does a really good job of balancing like the, the silly with the serious. Right. And I love how they make uh, pebbles like in classic satire. You always have the kid is the most logical. Right. I love it when they shoot yeah. a monkey into space and she's like, did they just sh- kill a monkey to impress a bunch of eighth graders? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you think about like, oh, yeah, we're like we're trying to do all these impressive things with science and we don't care what the cost is with it. Yeah. Uh, so let you, me let me ask you, you, Josh, what was your, what was your was... favorite vignette? I was just going to flip it to you. I was going to say that the same, uh, I think the, the one that Marco said with the second one that Marco said, the one with, uh, about, um, Fred and Barney going to war and why they went 
and the whole story of like the super sad part where Barney doesn't want to go, but then he realizes like he can't give Betty what she wants. And so he's like, all right, I'm gone. Let's go do this thing. Right. Let's go off to war. I can't have a kid. And like the reason why he loves Bam Bam, even though Bam Bam is this like brute destructive force is because this is the thing like that's the thing that he went to go fight for, right? Right. But it's a, like Bam Bam's a tree person. And I don't know, it's this sort of very, this very deep dive into a whole bunch of subjects that I'm like, well, gosh darn it, that's some, that's some stuff. Yeah, and I think my favorite one was the uh, the marriage one. Um, and I just liked I just liked that one because I thought the humor of the uh, – I love the, uh, the deacon, the religious guy. Uh, yeah, he got, he got a lot of play in that issue. Um, just you know, pulling shit out of his ass left and right, and I love the wow. That's a really good point. I'm gonna go think about that, but I probably won't. Um, you know, <laughs> so I thought that was really yeah. good one. Um, I also really love the boss as well. So I like that first uh, episode with the boss. Um, and yeah, just like just how draconian he is uh, with things, you know. Um, and like, go kill that mammoth and just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I like the end of that one where it flashes to the, the museum and they're like, and it's the, it's the, the, is it the Neanderthal who is, uh, who's frozen? And they're like, we found him because of the ornate jewelry. We think he was someone important. He probably ran the quarry. Right. But it was just the guy that he sent off to go fight the mammoth. Right. And just to show you, like as someone who teaches, uh, who taught like world history for a while? The beginning part of world history is so like, and we're pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, and it's like say it like declarations, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah. you know, we're gonna use some poetry that's probably BS for some early history, but okay. we'll just go with it. <laughs> what do you think about how they w- wove in some of the classic elements of? The Flintstones, like the Dino, like what's the alien guy's name? The Great Gazoo. Great, the Great Gazoo, um, <laughs> Bam Bam, some of those elements that aren't at the v- beginning of the trade. And we're like, where is, we usually have this in, in Flintstone. Where's so-and-so? Or where's, you know, like bowling and stuff like that. How do you think, do they weave them in pretty seamlessly? Or do you, or do you feel like it was forced? Marco, what do you think? Uh, for the most part, I think it was okay. Like I liked, um, I, I, Bam Bam was always my favorite. So I wish there was like more of him in this. There wasn't a whole ton. And the only time I was reading this and I was like, that's lame. The only time I ever did that was when they, you know, told you that like Bam Bam was the son of tree people. And that's why he was freakishly strong because the tree people were freakishly strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only reason I say that, the only reason I say that was lame is because every time um, the artist drew the tree people, they were like really skinny and didn't look that strong. Whereas like Fred and Barney like ripped and yet they're getting like tossed around by like skinny guys. Yes. And then, and and Bam Bam, he's built like Barney, so it doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. They they made the tree people look very much like uh, Aztec, Native American type people uh, to hit that uh, point over the head. And then you have this blonde, you know, tree person, and nowhere have we seen tree people <laughs> be blondes, you know? Yeah. So I thought there could have been more Bam Bam. Um, but other than that, I was happy with it. 
And yeah, Bam Bam and Pebbles were very, very small. I wish there was more of them in there. I like the I Dino. Really... I liked how they brought in Dino. Like where he's returning yeah. all the stuff and they're like, well, you can get store credit. And they're like, we're going to throw this away. What does it do? Nothing. Perfect. I'll take it. <laughs> it's just like a, and then it's like it's still satire. You're like, yeah, we have pets. Like they, they, and they all don't they do are anything. is burdens. They just like we they, we take these burdens into our house. <laughs> and like I love how all the other appliances, all the other animals, you know, like uh, the burden and the beasts of burden are like looking at Dino. Yes. Like, why the hell does this dude get a free ride? I love. That's the part. So I always, as a kid, that's the part I loved about the Flintstones was all the weird, like, animal contraptions and stuff like that. Those, that's, like, the funny part about it. I really liked how they played with um, the idea that they... In the Flintstones, they never addressed what would you do if one of them broke down, right? In any sort of, like, real way. Yeah. But this whole the one scene where he returns the garbage disposal... And then he goes, can I get some dog food? And the guy who leaves, like, the guy who leaves with the uh, the garbage disposal is the same guy who comes back with, like, a bag of stuff. And it's probably just the garbage disposal killed in the, because it's like, we'll have to recycle it, right? And there's all these, like, it's just this sort of, like, oh, that's that's not okay, <laughs> right? And you never, like, you, I never thought of that as a kid. Uh, and then I liked the stuff. I did like uh, the vacuum cleaner and the bowling ball. Well, you, you think I thought about that what was... Mark Russell's doing here with all those like little clever puns or, or contraptions. And this is one yeah. writer on this book. You know, you think of the Flintstones TV shows, and there's probably like a team of writers, or at least a room of writers, or a, you know, write, at least three guys writing each episode, and they're coming up with these clever things and puns and things of satire. This is one guy, and there's layers on layers of like puns and like satire and 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 interesting things happening in the background, like jokes happening in the background, and so it's, yeah, it, it's a lot to fill one one issue with as many layers as is going on in this book for one writer. And Mark Russell was writing several books, right, Josh? Like he was writing Prez when he was writing this? I think they were at the same time. If not, they, it was one right after the other. I, and and I, you're right. I, I think that like he's just – he's able to weave this real sort of – although there's not a giant underlying story, um, it's just you know slice-of-life satire. Um, he's able to do it in this very sort of layered way where he keeps coming back to certain things over and over again. You know, like the uh, coming back to science and um, the... Oh, who's the actual scientist? Sagan, Carl, the Carl Sagan yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, caveman that, over yeah. and over again. Um, and it, that's those are the sort of like funny things that repeat. And the sort of little vignettes, the little pieces with all of the appliances every once in a while, those are those are always funny... Uh, like the vacuum they get is what they were worshiping in the church before that. And there's just all these little things that he keeps kind of referencing back to that kind of build this richer thing. Um, and one of the, one of the episode or one of the issues, the election issue has just a bunch of little things in it. Uh, like the doctor's office is called the Preo Clinic, and it's like a witch doctor yeah, instead yeah, of the Mayo Clinic, and it's silly. It just makes you want to laugh, but it, but it's 
also there's on top of those very dumb things he weaves in some good stuff right like uh claude the destroyer is making this big speech and he's like children of claude you shall taste the wine of victory the lizard people shall be shall be vanquished and it will be easy and then the crowd someone just yelling he says the things i wish were true right (laughs) (laughs) just all this silly stuff all right so let's let's switch gears and start talking about art um marco um you open the book up flintstones is on the cover they have a little bit of uh interesting take on the flintstones on the cover what do you what do you think about the art in this book and does it does it does it work well with the story does it does it take away from the story um what do you think about the uh, what pew is doing here on the art yeah it's different it's real different than obviously the original stuff um but i liked it i I really liked it. Like, there's times when uh, certain styles of art, certain styles of cartoons, like, I can't get in to those cartoons because of the artwork. Um, like, anime, I can never really get into, like, deep into anime or anything like that. Um, you would be this, both, buddy. This works. Like, I liked it a lot. Um, I I can't believe how freakishly strong they made Fred um, and in every scene. <laughs> but... I tell you what, like I, my favorite art for all this was anytime Wilma was in was in a drawing. I was like, all right, this, 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 is, even, this is good. And this, this is the part that's scary. Even pregnant Wilma was kind of hot. Travis, I was always a so, Betty. I was always kind of a Betty guy, but I think Wilma does steal in this one. I think she does. So, Marcus, it's been a while since you've read a comic book. Um, was there anything about and I would say if you go back and Travis and I actually went back and read Death of Superman, I don't know, about a year ago, Travis, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. About a year ago, we went back and read it. And it's literally one, it's like one page picture after another. So, like, instead of having the little squares, the entire page is one whole panel. And it had been, and, uh, it had been so long since we'd, we'd read that. Uh, that last issue is just one giant panel after one giant panel as you build up to the death of Superman. It's a coloring uh, book. It's a coloring book. Yeah. <laughs> but was there, was there reading, I guess, a modern comic, uh, was there anything in the art style that, or the way that it was structured that threw you off, or were you able to kind of get through the flow of everything? No, everything was fine. The only thing that took me... A moment was they have these, I guess, alternative uh, cover designs that weren't used, or they maybe oh, they were used. Yeah. If if the book came out, if the separate issues came out independently from each other, that was the only thing that initially kind of threw me off. Yeah, and that's a feature of trades. Like this is a collection of those, as you found out, of the individual issues. And when they put them all together, it's a better price point if you're if you can wait, you know, for a trade while trade waiting. But they also throw in a few extra things. So, but bare minimum, you always get a few extra covers. And yeah, I didn't think about that as a, uh, a new reader of trades. That being something you're like, wait, is this part of this story? Is what's going on here? Yeah, it's not so much that I didn't know what they were. I should rephrase that. It's that the covers were done by different artists, so I expected the rest of that issue oh, to have gotcha. the same art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. yeah. Now, Josh, let me ask you a question. Um, yeah. The way we think about the Flintstones uh, being cartooned and that style of cartooning, if if they decided to go with that 
in this book instead of the more realistic cartooning? Uh, do you think that would have uh, helped the book, or do you think that would have hurt it? Uh, I really... I enjoyed this sort of in-between realistic and cartoony. I thought that that was... I thought that was a cool way to do it. Um, I think it would have been... I don't think it would have been as effective had it been in actual Flintstone style. Right? Had it looked like the old cartoon, I don't think it would have been as effective. Because I, I, the point of it is it has to look sort of real. Right? It has to be... It has to fit in for our world. For us, right? It's got to Yeah, it it has to hold the mirror up and if it doesn't then if it do, if it, if it's not able to do that it throws you off. It looked if it looked like Tintin then it wouldn't work. Yeah. Right? Um but I re- I really I really enjoy the art and I at first I didn't know that I at first I wasn't sure that I was going to um because I don't love the coloring so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just the palette or whatever it is, but I wasn't sure if I was going to love it. But then I really did dig it um, by the, you know, probably right. I think the second issue, um, it hit its stride a little more. You know, that that's always the, the pilot syndrome. Right. Sometimes first issues of not not just TV shows, but of comic books are are you're kind of like, uh, I don't know if it's going to work or not. But but I really thought. Uh, after that first issue, I really, I really dug the the art style on it. I thought he did a really good job of balancing sort of like realism versus cartoon. Um, but I think had it gone too cartoony, it just wouldn't have worked. Now, Travis, I know, uh, I want to know what what was your take on the art on this because uh, you and I have different tastes sometimes. Yeah. So no, I want to know where you fall on this one. I actually, I actually love the art. I, I would love to. I, I think I, I meant to go. Uh, online and watch a little bit of uh, the old Flintstones cartoon before this podcast. Just yeah. like, have a talking point on that. Um, but I kind of want like a modern cartoon. I I wouldn't mind taking these issues, putting them into a twenty minute cartoon, putting them on like Comedy Central or Adult Swim. I think you could take it panel for panel, use this same cartooning style, and people would love it. People would eat it up. I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good. Um... How long it would be on? I, I don't. I don't know. I, but but I'm like. So let me just let me just ask you this. Um, now, Marco, you, you're, you're not you're not like reading comic books like like Travis and I are. But does this seem like a surprising take for a comic book? For what you would assume a comic book to be? Did this seem like a sort of? Was this a story that you expected to read? A strange place to see a story like this. Yeah, you know, kind of. Like yeah. That. Yeah, I mean, I could I could understand that there's comics that deal with these subjects, but the fact that it was the Flintstones, like, I know I never saw that coming. <laughs> well, and it, so, and it seems to be reminiscent, Josh, of what we've talked about with the um, bigger Marvel and DC characters lately. Things like where we take uh, someone like the Vision or like a Blue Beetle, yeah. secondary characters that people have kind of forgotten about or that were held in a different light in their original incarnations. And we're going to take those and we're going to do some kind of social satire with them. So we're going to take properties that aren't valuable at the moment. And because they don't, because they're not precious like a Batman or like a fast and the furious, the creators are given more creative license to take these, you know, um, 
Yeah. You know, like you couldn't take the Flintstone properties in the 1950s and do like a spin-off of this. It would be it's too precious to Hanna-Barbera. They'd be like, "No, you can't ruin yeah. the stock of our characters." But now when it's like a dead property, all of a sudden we can take these dead properties like the Flintstones, give them to one writer or artist and let them run with their vision without anyone really coming in, without like the corporates coming in and being like you can't have Fred Flintstone saying that. Fred Flintstone can't have PSD. He's America's everyman, you know. Um, yeah, I thought that. I thought that was uh, uh, well. I think you're seeing that a lot more with these old kind of marketing properties. I, th- I think you're right. Like we're we're getting to this point where um, automatically someone might pick it up because it's the Flintstones, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even. I don't know. Let's say this wasn't the Flintstones, but it was some. It was just some original take, right? Yeah. And I, I'm trying to think. Like, so it, a it couldn't satire, have been. If you mean, if it's just a like a yeah. If it, well, if there was a generic one, I think automatically I would have been like, oh, so it's like a, it's like a, it's like a more serious version of the Flintstones, yeah. you know. So I, I, I'm trying to think like if you put it in any other context, what I have would I have enjoyed it as much or does my enjoyment of the satire come out of the fact that it's the Flintstones? That's a, that's an excellent question. That, I, the, I think there's the my deep, there's my deep question for you guys. I think the Do Flintstones think... makes it for me. I think the Flintstones adds a level to this book that, that keeps me engaged in a way that I don't think I would have been if I, if it wasn't so recognizable. Marco? Marco, where, where, think, do you, where do you fall on this one? Yeah, no, it definitely makes it better. I think I would have liked it either way. And, and it's surprising that this just kind of happened through happenstance that you sent me this one. Because mm-hmm. it was like the perfect comic book to, to send me, if, if you really think about it. Like, it's, like if you really think about it, because you mentioned earlier that I was vegan, but I'm also an, uh, um, an atheist anarchist. So, yeah. like, this book is just, like, saying everything that I'm constantly harping on. And I was like, did he pick this by accident? Because this is great. I was reading it just this week. I literally started reading, like, two days ago. And as I was reading it, I was like, okay, I think we're good. I think Marco might come back on the podcast again uh, because <laughs> this looks like it might be up his alley. No, the, next one, the next one we're going to bring him back on is there's a book that I want to read about uh, – in the future, rich people eating homeless people. That'll that'll be a. Uh, <laughs> they drug homeless people and they turn them into food. So like a, like a Silence of the Lamb sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hannibal Lecter thing. No, man, I dug yeah. it. If, if it hadn't been the Flintstones, I I would have also enjoyed it. But like part of the time that I was reading this, I was thinking, how did they like get away with getting this license? Like, how did they get away with doing this with these I... wholesome American characters? Exactly. That's that's my thing. As I was going through it, not only how did they get how did they get past Hanna Barbera with some of the stuff? How did DC right go? Yeah, go ahead, do that. And no one stepped in and said anything. Like uh, whoever the I don't even read who the whoever the editor is on this thing deserves some giant some giant uh, applause for, because for brass saying, balls. Like, this is gonna work. No, this is gonna work. Trust me. This yeah. Is gonna work. Yeah, to just go. Yeah, you guys do. You guys do what you want. It's fine. Well, think about the thing. This, this, the Flintstones. Not too long ago, the '90s. Remember the Flintstones movie? That did. Yeah. That didn't. Didn't that do pretty well? 
I the or first it just one seemed maybe? like it because I was like nine. And I thought it was awesome. May- <laughs> yeah, it was, was it was like it was like Kazam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they made a second one, so it couldn't well, have been that bad, right? But where, with different actors. <laughs> in the age where everything is getting rebooted and like yeah. everything that's old is now new again, you would think like Hanna Barbera would be like, "We're biding our time. The Flintstones will be relevant again. No one do anything with it. Sony, like you know, a, a yeah. studio is going to come to us." So. I think this was a smart move because I think this this is I if you can make this more stream more mainstream this type of Flintstones in like a main market like if you can get it in more hands or put it in a format that's more palatable I think people would love this. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think that's really a really good point about it. So here's what I want to know, guys: uh, Are we at are we at are we at favorite panels, yeah, Travis? We're at favorite panels, baby. We're at favorite panels. So Travis. Do you want to go first uh, as as our guest furiously finds his favorite panel? Or, Marco, do you have a favorite panel for us? I'm ready to rock. I got one. All right. Oh, you, then you know what, buddy? You can go first. You, what is your favorite panel? Ed rock. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I I have a favorite panel from the cartoon, and I also have another uh, piece that I really enjoyed in this. My favorite one has to do with, Josh, you brought this up a couple times. It's with a uh, vacuum cleaner and bowling ball. And I love my, my oh. favorite one is the one that was like the most for me it was like the saddest moment in no, this entire you're gonna book. pick my favorite panel. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you're well, it's a good thing I went first. You it's a good thing a I went bitch. first. My favorite bitch. is the very last um interaction between the first time the elephant and the armadillo meet and the elephant didn't doesn't know what friends are and the last panel he's like, Does this mean we're friends now? After having like <laughs> just one conversation with the armadillo. So, so um, it's so heart crushingly beautiful. It's so sad. It's so goddamn it sad. It is. It is. And it cuts like a knife, gentlemen. It cuts <laughs> it does. like a knife. Uh, <laughs> and my favorite the other thing that I want to point out as something that I really liked in terms of artwork, there's this alternate cover that they have at the very end of the book, and it's the only time that I saw the original artwork of the Flintstones and it's like Fred and Wilma taking a selfie but inside of the camera screen like you that they can't see is how they look back in like the 60s in yeah, the original that's cartoon. A good one. That that was probably my favorite piece of like artwork altogether. Oh yeah. The, oh, yeah, the adult coloring book variant. The adult coloring book variant. <laughs> yeah, I would I would that's a cool print. The, the yeah. I, and I also love that it's a camera, but it's also the woodpeckers on there pecking, their <laughs> chiseling, shape, yeah, chiseling, chiseling the their photo. shape into the slate. Uh, Travis, now do you want me to go so you can uh, find? No, I, I think your... I, I think I have one. So I want to piggyback. On I think Marcos. you're gonna. I think you're gonna steal mine. Uh, oh no, maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe uh, you're not. So I'm a, well, I'm gonna. This is I, one I thought Marco was picking. It's in the same vein. So I'm gonna do two. One, I like the bowling ball one, but my favorite one was the, when the elephant. Um, is behind the closet like in their last interaction he goes knowing that my friend bowling ball is on the other side of the door it makes me think maybe the only meaning to life is uh, is that oh, me, excuse me maybe the only meaning to life is that which we get from each other and you're like oh god <laughs> and then as my, he's like was explaining to him what bowling is yeah like... oh it's god so it makes me so sad um, and then my favorite panel <laughs> This might be yours, Josh. I don't know. Is um, the turtle in the first one is when the turtle's got ice cream on his back and the boss is looking at him like, damn it, the ice cream's melted. Get back in the kitchen, Philip. 
<laughs> and the turtle just is like looking up at him, like, "Oh, come on, man." That is that is not mine. Okay, I was like a Travis is someone who often picks uh, sexual things for your favorite panels. Mm. Uh, my panel is in the I think it's in the last issue, uh, and it's when uh, the um, the Carl Sagan caveman realizes that his abacus is wrong because two moths were having sex on the abacus (laughs) (laughs) so it's just the one moth flies off the other one it's like thanks babe call you later and it that is such a it it's like that's something that wouldn't have happened on flintstones but it's such a flintstones thing like it would have been a joke that wouldn't have been that sexual, but right. you can you can see how it's a very like. The, I could hear the voice of what it would sound like on the Flintstones cartoon in my head, and that's why I dug that one. But then there's one there's I I I feel like we've all had said two, I so know, I'm going to so, do another it's, one too. It's, it's so many. <laughs> there's one on the page right before it where they're at the mall and it's Panda Excess instead of Panda Express, oh, no, so and the pan the pandas are destroying everything. And so, like, they're mauling people in the mall. Like, the pandas are hanging off of stuff and killing people. <laughs> it's just so stupid, but it's wonderful. It's so dumb, and they but add, it was great. And then add to that, anytime you see the sloth couch, the giant sloth couch is great. <laughs> it yeah, was. That, it that was, was wonderful. So, um, our last thing is, like, uh, so would you recommend this, and what kind of person would you recommend this to? Like, can can you recommend this book and... And who would you give it to? Like in in comic world, we just give comics, right? We just say, "Here, read this," and we don't really worry about getting it back. So, would you do that? And if if so, who? What kind of person would you give it to, Marco? I would recommend it for anyone who has any sort of contrarian leanings. Uh, obviously, <laughs> for me, being like the biggest contrarian ever, it's right up my alley. But even if you have a lot of sacred cows, as long as there's a few that you have some doubts in and, and you can read these and not take them personally and, and have, you know, allow yourself to make fun of yourself or some of your beliefs, like as long as you have some slight contrarian leanings, I think you'll enjoy it. Like I wouldn't recommend this to like a wholesome suburban mom, you know, who's yeah. just like everything's like rainbows and, you know. A teenager, an angry teenager, might do well with this. Yes, book. yes. <laughs> Josh, uh, you know what? I think I I have a bunch of people that I would probably say, yeah, go read this. Right, a bunch of like comic book friends that I would go, hey, if you haven't checked this out, you should check it out, and I'd hand it off to them. Uh, people who've been on the show before that I would say, go check this out. But I, I think that there's probably a couple of people who aren't comic book people that enjoy sort of this. And I think you said it earlier, like people who like South Park or people who like the satire uh, in The Simpsons, this is a good sort of different way of getting that same sort of satire. This one is not as it's goofy, but it's not as uh, it's not as I don't know, I absurd, I guess, as sometimes South Park can be because South Park, the, the one that like. I've seen a lot of episodes of South Park, but there's only two that stand out to me in my head. And that's the one where they all have to have gay sex in a big pile to keep the people from the future from coming. Mm -hmm. That's one episode I remember. And that's just, that's absurd and silly. 
And then the other one is when Rosie O'Donnell becomes a giant monster like Akira. And with with a trapper keeper. Remember the with uh Cartman as a trapper keeper with uh I don't wanna wait. Oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Rosie O'Donnell who becomes a giant Akira like monster in that one. But those are the only two episodes I distinctly remember and they're both just incredibly absurd. Uh, but I, I I think this walks a really good line where if you know someone who likes those types of shows, you could point them to this and it would get someone to read a comic who maybe doesn't read a comic book. And gentlemen, there is one more volume of this that comes out in October. That's right. So That's uh, right. volume two. Yeah, it was just 12 issues. So volume two comes out, I think, October. I want to say 11th was the date I saw, but it comes out in like mid-October. It's coming out on my break. So when I'm on uh, October break, I think I'm going to pick up Volume Two and give her a read. That's right. And just yeah, I'm going to give it a I'm nice buying, uh, I'm finish buying it up. A classroom set for my kids to introduce them to satire. You know, at the uh, at the age they're at, I think it's a great way to do that, and I think it's clean enough that you yeah, can get away oh for with sure, it for sure. And the the issues they'll be able to. It, it's pointed enough that they'll be able to. There's dive into it and things like that. So. That has been Flintstones. Marco, um, thank you for joining us. Is there anything that you want to plug? I don't have a lot to plug. I do have a podcast that's called the Renaissance Man Podcast where I talk about all sorts of things, everything related to people who are polymaths who have multiple interests in life. Their society tells us that we have to have one thing that we're good at and we have to do that for the rest of our lives. And I found the complete opposite, that the way to be successful is to know a little bit about everything and so that's what my podcast talks about and that's uh the renaissance man podcast which is at trmpodcast.com but i've been um taking a break from it i haven't made an episode in over a month now um and we'll see if i do i've just been super busy with uh i'm self-employed so i'm super busy with getting ready for this holiday season so Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that i have to plug the only thing i'd have to say is that i really enjoyed uh reading this thing but if you're going to get like a classroom set man you better have a big expense account because like I'm sounding like an old man. Like back in my day, comic books were a dollar twenty-five. This thing's got like a seventeen dollars price tag on it. I, I felt it was Amazon, expensive, and I didn't have to pay for mine. Amazon's Amazon was probably eleven. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah, like eleven. Yeah. And then okay, you gotta reasonable. understand, Tra- Travis works for a, like a a big government school. Yeah, they have money, Marco. You like a school to, in Arizona. You can listen to it on Marco's podcast. I was a guest on his Dodds episode. <laughs> so. so uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Marco, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, Thank you for us giving you a random book and you being like, yeah, I liked it, which is always, which is always good. We always love when that happens. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, check out the Comic Exposure on many places. You can find us online at www.comicexposure.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. If you listen to us on iTunes, we ask that you give us a, a swell, lovely rating on there. Uh, tell your moms, tell your dads, tell your BFFs about the show. Give them to, tell them to listen in. If you go to the comic shop, you should tell the dude who's checking you out. Hey, not like, well, I guess either way, the guy who's ringing you out at the register or some random dude. Or the who's guy who's on like, the other side of the rack, like <laughs> peering over his issue of yeah, sex criminals. Either, either way. Either way, you tell that guy about the Comic Exposure podcast and be like, you should listen to this, whether you're checking me out economically or sexually. 
I think that you should <laughs> you should do that. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, the next book, Travis. Who we're, the and we had who the hell knows territory. We're yeah we're winding down. I this we had uh, punk rock Jesus on our we've we've actually accomplished our summer reading list except for punk rock Jesus at this point. Now it is a bigger book. I I do we are gonna do that at some point, but I can't guarantee that it it won't move into our fall or winter books. So we're gonna be start moving into spooky October books. Um, Ooh, spooky October books. We're doing a uh, Hellboy. Yeah, I just got my Hellboy in the mail today, and if you are buying them as we put them out, I got a nice hardcover edition for like twenty-two bucks, which has Seeds of Destruction and the second volume all in there. It got in the mail today. It's gorgeous looking book. Are we? Ju- we're book. just. I have Seeds of Destruction. Yeah, we're just we're, doing Seeds yeah, of Destruction. Yeah, right? I know. I know you're. I know you're. You're like, oh man, I'm not buying another book. <laughs> so so we're uh, next. That'll be one of our October spooky reads: is Seeds of Destruction, uh, Hellboy Volume One. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to to look at a little uh, a little a little Mike Magnolia with you guys to to talk about on the podcast. Uh, who's coming on for that one, Travis? Uh, Alan, Do you have a guest for already? Guest Alan, yeah, yeah, my man Alan yeah. coming on. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. We'll get book list up for you. Travis and I got to sit down and, and hammer out the next couple books for the show. Uh, you can always listen in. Next up, next episode will probably it's just you and I talking about stuff. We were gonna do the Defenders. Defenders is too late now. Yeah, it's too old. And no one cares. Yeah, it's too old, and no one cares because it, it wasn't that great. Yeah. So. That's our there's review. my there's, there's my review. there's my quick review of the defenders. It should have been so much better. Yep. There's my review of the defenders. Um, so, Marco, again, thanks for coming on. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you next trade.